This is The 20 with DJ Spider, presented by BeatSource. What is going on, everybody? All my BeatSourcers, what is happening? Welcome to The 20 Podcast, bringing you interviews with the best DJs, producers, and music industry professionals from around the globe. I'm your host, DJ Spider. Yes, yes, all right, all right, all right. How you guys doing? How's your weekend? How's your life? What's happening? Thank you for listening to my voice and listening to me talk to you about DJ-related things. It means a lot to me. I love doing this with you guys, you know? If there was no one listening, then I'd be talking to nobody. So thank you. I appreciate it. And you know what else I appreciate? BeatSource. Because this podcast is brought to you by BeatSource. So make sure you try out BeatSource Link where you can DJ from the cloud. You can use our expertly curated playlists made by amazing DJs and producers, which, hint, hint, might be the guest on today's show. We'll see. We'll see if that's true or not. I mean, it might be. Um, BeatSource link is incredible. I use it, and you should too. So go check out BeatSource.com and have the best time of your life going through these songs, baby. Um, You guys... What else is going on? My beat sorcerers. I hope life is good. I know I've been doing a lot of crazy things, a lot of crazy gigs, and you guys have been following me on Instagram, which I really appreciate. I get your messages. Write me on there at DJ Spider, DJ S P I D E R. No, there's no Y in my name. Everybody always wants to put a Y in my name, but take that shit out. It doesn't exist. So that's what's up. Um, thank you guys for all the support, all the messages, and thank you for coming out to my shows. You know, I've been in Vegas. I'm there every week right now, but uh, usually every month and in L.A. and all over the place. So thank you guys for the support. Really appreciate it. Hit me with any questions, comments, concerns, uh, customer service items, uh, you know, HR reports, whatever you want to hit me with. I'm here. I'm here to receive it. Um, all right, let's get let's get on with it. Let's get on with the show, okay? Because we have a great guest. We have someone that I admire, someone that I think is super dope, someone that is constantly innovating, evolving, doing dope, dope shit, man. So uh, let me tell you about them. We got a DJ, a producer, someone that is part of the Beat Source family. See, I sent you that hint earlier. He is a UK champion of Red Bull Three Style, the amazing competition that. Sadly, I don't think happens anymore, but some of the most amazing DJs that have won that have come out and are killing it across the world. And he is one of those people. Um, He's a worldwide touring DJ. He's a curator. He's a music editor, a radio host, a producer, and more. He definitely has a very unique set of accomplishments, and you will hear that in this interview, okay? And he's got a lot more things in the works planned out that you will hear about in this interview. And although he lives in London, that's right, we got the UK to LA connection on this episode, and uh, he lives in London, but he has a fan base that spans Europe, Africa, the Caribbean, North America, and more, all through his remixes, mixtapes, and live shows, and not to mention social media. It's been huge for him. Um, He's done so many cool things like his 50 Days of Blends campaign that he did on TikTok and Instagram, which gained him, you know, amazing followers from all over the globe, linked him up with artists that he now works with, you know, that are doing huge things. Um, And um, 
you, all that kind of stuff. You will hear about it on this episode. His approach to anything he does, from my perspective, includes amazing attention to detail, using only the highest quality sounds and highest quality everything within it, working with world-class artists. And I feel like once he sets his sights on something... He makes it happen in the biggest way possible. And you will hear that throughout this episode. Um, there is so much stuff that I think we can all learn from hearing his stories and, and his journey on here. He also curates the African music sections of Beat Source and DJ City. Thank you. That helps me a lot. Uh, makes incredible edits, produces original music. He has a show, like a live show with a live band that he just did a performance and he's going to be doing so much more with. Uh, he does so much. This episode, you will hear about all of it. Um, so please, welcome to the show, D. James. All right. We are here, guys. It is the 20 Podcast, and in the house today, all the way from the UK to LA, we got D. James. Give it up. <laughs> What's up, bro? That's right. Flat out. Flat out. Thank you, Snoop. Thank you. We're back with the sound effects, guys. We got D. James in the house. Make some noise again. Let's hear it. Thank you. I, like, I just like having these buttons at my disposal. Uh, thank you for being tell. here. <laughs> I like buttons. You know, we're DJs. That's what we do. We like pushing things. Of course. Um, so thank yeah, you. Thank you for having me, man. For sure. Thank you for taking the time. I know it is late. Uh, it's nighttime there. It is daytime here for people that are watching on YouTube. And um, yeah, thanks for coming in here. Um, how are you feeling? How was your day today? What's going on? I'm good, man. My my day was uh same as most days. Spend it in this room, basically. I got this studio last year and I've just been living in here a lot. We have no windows, so I have no concept of time anyway, so it's cool. It's, I mean, uh, that's most studios. That that's that's the advantage yeah. of studios, right? You you don't want to know what time it is. Like when the sun is coming up no. but you're making a dope beat, you don't want to be like, Oh, the sun's coming up. <laughs> so it's better. Yeah, exactly. You just get locked in. Yeah. Get locked. Yeah, man. All good over here. That's great. Um, well, yeah, thank you for coming on the show. I am, you know, a huge fan of everything you do, um, everything you've been putting out, you know, all your projects. And, you know, we talked for a bit yesterday and, um, you know, I, I admire a lot of things about you uh, as a person and musically. And, you know, some things I was saying were, was just that you always have your own angle. You always have your own uh, approach to things. And I know you come from three style kind of DJing and you've gone through so many evolutions of where you are to get, you know, where you are today. But, um, now you're so deep in the Afro beat scene and you still have a different approach there and you're still constantly evolving there from doing your, um, 50 days of blends to your live band now and all that stuff. So mm -hmm. I want to learn about your approach, what you're working on, what you got for the future and learn about how you got to this point. Um, so before we get into it, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, D James? Damn. Um, <laughs> first of all, yeah. Thank you for all the praise. Appreciate it, man. I'm a very big fan of yours too. So, ah, uh, thank you. Um, yeah. Um, Yes. Yeah. Like you said, I've been through a lot of evolutions and, um, 
a lot of that just comes from boredom a lot of the time like i'm it's probably one of my my worst habits is um i do something i'm like yeah this is dope get really excited go all in do it and then i'm like what's next and i'm just always looking for the for the next thing so right um yeah i've been djing since 2006 started out in uh, university just doing campus parties and stuff it was pretty much just whatever music i had to play back then i'd i was supporting whatever artist the the university had booked it was so random one week it'd be feeder the next week it'd be bass hunter then it'd be a uk rapper then it'd be pendulum like it was it was all over but it was it was good for me to learn you know how to work with all these different kind of crowds and people um and then yeah i think maybe around like 2013 2014 i got into the more like three style type stuff started getting obsessed with that and i think we went out to poland a few of us um i think that was 2016 and we were like yeah we have to enter this like and that just became life basically until um <laughs> right. i entered the competition in 2019 um and then yeah then lockdown hit and um i kind of had to reevaluate everything again um and luckily that's, that's what works out pretty well. And that's where I am now. So that's, that's like the speed version of the right. last 15 years, I guess. Yes. The speedy, speedy 15 year, uh, recap. Um, but yeah, that, that's, yeah. I, I think, you know, that's a good starting point. And I think when I met you in person, was it at the beat source, uh, kickoff event? Yeah. Right. So that yeah, was, was, I think that was January right before the pandemic or the year before I'm like trying to remember. I don't know. Um, yeah, no, no, it was, it was, um, I'm pretty sure it was the same trip when I was out there for Halloween actually. So it must've been around October, November time. And um, we had that party cause oh, I came out right. to LA for a couple of weeks. Yeah. We had like the, the beat source football tournament and we had that event and I went to like the boo over with, yeah playing and stuff so yeah it was all around that time but yeah i remember being at that party and i was talking to quickie and some other guys down by the pool then i heard afrobeats coming from the house and i was just like yo one second i just like <laughs> ran up the stairs and i was like what's going on exactly. i had to go in and check it out i was like it's made it yes so excited yeah no so dope like i had honestly i had just been in new york that week listening to dj moma and Ellie mm -hmm. Escobar at that dance, dance, dance party at LeBain. And they were playing all these Afro beats, you know, so much like stuff I didn't even know about. And, and I had kind of stayed up all night after going to that party and looked up so much music. And then when I was DJing that party and I'm opening up before a track and I'm thinking, what can I do that's different? You know, and I remember playing all that stuff and you're like, how do you know about all this? And I'm like, I kind of do, but I'm, I'm not as knowledgeable as you or, you know, some other people, the people I heard playing it, but it was cool to connect with you on that. And then just to see your journey and evolution from that and where you've taken it is so incredible. And, um, yeah, it's like, it's crazy how the pan you. the pandemic played into a lot of people's solidifying what they wanted to do, you know, for the future in certain ways. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think. I think for me, it was like a lot of what I was doing was like money focused and stuff. Cause obviously we're DJs, we have to make money going to the clubs and, right. um, and you don't always necessarily get to play your favorite music for four hours every night. So lockdown yeah. came and no, no longer had this financial pressure. 
And I was like, right, what do I want to do? What do I want to be, what do I want to be known for? So I started, um, D James radio, which I basically just converted my living room into a studio. I bought a giant white screen, got my decks, bought a shore mic and did the whole show. And it was, um, Afrobeats, dancehall, soca, reggae. And I just did like all new music every week, never repeated a song. And I made this one hour show, chopped up all the clips, sent it out to the artists it was taking me about three full days a week to do that one hour show. But what came from that was it was so worth it because I was building connections with all these artists and labels, producers, because it was locked down and these guys have made club records that they had planned out for six months a year. And now there's no clubs and no DJs to play them. Right. So here's me giving them this like shiny video from some guy in the UK. So back in Nigeria or Jamaica, wherever they are, they're like, yo, I've blown. I'm, I'm international now. So it works out really well that I could provide this product that no one else is doing for them. And it gave them a little bit of hype for their campaign. And um, yeah, that's where it all started from really just those relationships grew and yeah, they embraced me fortunately. So it's, it's, it's been good ever since. Very cool. Very cool. And your videos are always top quality. Like, you know, you I think when people are just doing the iPhone film themselves thing, you always take it to the next level, have a dope scene, got some plants in there, you know, had like <laughs> real deal cameras filming you. And uh, per- that's it. That's the industry plant. That is that's, <laughs> that's what it's there for. Yeah. The industry plant. I love that. <laughs> that's why it's there. That's hilarious. So exactly. Your industry plant has taken you uh, this far. I mean, that, that's so cool. Why was it taking you three to four days to make the one hour mix what were you doing um well because i had to dig for all the audio so from friday to sunday i'd be getting all the music i'd be hitting up artists and then i'd have to make all the clean edits myself because there were no cleans around for these songs yet right then i'd have to spend like a few hours researching and that information wasn't always hard to come by so i was trying to find out the artist, the record label, the producer, anyone that was involved basically. So I could tag them because I was like, I might not be able to reach Fireboy or Burner Boy, but I can maybe reach the producer and then he'll share the video and then they'll see it. So it was like just building up. So I started out getting support from smaller artists and the producers that maybe weren't getting the love. So they were very happy to have a video where they got shouted out. And so I did all that. And then, yeah, obviously the show itself took an hour of filming and and then i had to sit and edit but yeah chopping up all those video clips and sending them out and everything it was it was like a day of prep a day of shooting and stuff and then another day of editing chopping it up uploading it to all my socials and all that stuff so right once the world reopened i couldn't really maintain it unfortunately i'd love to do it like i miss doing it but it's just not possible right now to lose almost half my week to that show Yeah, but I think you you've evolved in a different way where you came up with the 50 days of blends and all the different things you do mm-hmm. now, you know. And and then that has pushed you into the realm of music production and your live band and all the things that you're headed towards in the future and that you're working on right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The um the the 50 days of blends thing again just came about from me just being bored and having all these blends sitting around and I started seeing other people doing similar stuff to me. So I always thought like, how can I, how can I make this bigger? How can I make this a series? And the sort of first 10 or 12 days, it was just like single videos. People would just sort of maybe catch one or two. But then after a while they started realizing, Oh, there's gonna be a video every day. And then they were coming back to my page and they just 
got bigger and bigger and bigger. Then I started having some huge industry names share them, not just on their stories, but they do like a full main page post and they have 10, 12 million followers. So like, wow. remember one day John, Don Jazzy shared one of my videos and I got like 25,000 followers in one day. My phone like just overheated. It was on my pillow next to my bed and it was just constantly just going like, bzzz. like it didn't stop. I just had to like, I couldn't, I couldn't stop it. It was mad. So, wow. Um, yeah, that's, that's the power of social media. So it um, is. That's so cool, yeah. though, especially how it can just connect everybody from all over the world and something that you're passionate about, you want to put work into and that you're approaching from a genuine perspective and stuff that they're just making and not knowing who's going to hear it. So a cool way to connect you guys and and reach out to yeah. the artists. And um, I mean, and that's kind of an ambitious project, you know, 50 days of blends like obviously, I mean, I would assume you did some. Before, you weren't doing a new one every single morning, right? I was doing them every single morning. What? <laughs> that's insane. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's the maddest part because I was trying because I was trying to do it with trending songs as well. So I had to oh. like, so when something dropped on a Friday, I had to do it that day. So there were, and I remember like with um, like with Ballon d'Or, the Wizkid and Burner track. Yeah, I knew that was coming out at like six p.m. on a Wednesday. So I had my routine ready to go, and my routine was out before Wizkid had even posted about the song himself. So people were like learning about that song through me before they, before Wiz had even posted. So a lot of that stuff is timing, and yeah, there's definitely a strategy behind it. Like you know, um, yeah, I'd post certain songs with certain artists on certain days. Like I knew I had to get the big song on a Friday. Then maybe Sunday could be a more chilled one and. Yeah, uh, but I was recording every day. That was the hardest part, having to get up and get fully dressed in my house. <laughs> and I wore 50 different outfits, so I ran out of clothes. By the end of my like, 45th day, I was on my phone looking at my wardrobe like, have I worn this one yet? Like going through, trying to like, <laughs> oh match my outfits God. up. Yeah, it was, Damn, yeah, you it, was, it was mad. You should have been sponsored by like a clothing company. The 50, uh, Honestly. The 50 outfits of D. James. <laughs> That's incredible. My <laughs> God, I would have definitely just gotten lazy with the shirts and just worn the same one. Probably I've done that with yeah. this podcast. I'm like, I think I've worn this shirt before, but whoever remembers, what are they going to go find episode 75? It's shirt. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's incredible. Wow. But that's so cool to hear that. It's not also just, Hey, I'm going to make 50 days of blends. I'm going to make them in advance. I'm going to put them up. There's strategy to it. You're truly thinking about every little thing from, what types the the vibe of the song when it's released who the artist is the day of the week um mm -hmm. and then if a song comes out and starts trending that you had never even heard of you're going to change your whole plan and use that yeah and even down to like what you can blend with what right so like i know that you know i can't i can't necessarily put this artist vocals on this artist instrumental because they're not going to share that like so yeah it's having like knowledge of who's cool with who and yeah um yeah it's it's a difficult thing the blend thing as well because obviously not every artist likes it because if they're trying to push their song out obviously like tiktok sounds and stuff are so big right now you can imagine for them it's kind of like confusing the message a little bit if your mashup of their song somehow does better than the original or something so true you have to make it's you have to be quite tactful with it and make sure that you're like not necessarily improving the song, but doing something different with it at least. Like, there's no point in me just taking a Wizkid vocal and putting it on another Wizkid beat that sounds pretty much the same. I need to change the, the vibe of it or change the the energy or the genre or something to make it a blend. You know? Yeah. 
Oh, that makes sense. Were there any other strategic points that you had to keep in mind? Um, just, yeah, I think it was just like post timing and knowing like what days were stronger for me than others and things like that. It was just things I learned along the way, basically. Um, and with, with social media, there's so many variables. It's really hard to know what did what, like, you know, I don't want to get into this stuff where I'm like, okay, I need to post at five fifty-five on a Tuesday and do this capture. Like, I, I don't believe in that stuff. Like, right. Um, sometimes I, th- I just feel like there's a bit of luck involved and depends who's online and the, people's lives are different. Obviously in lockdown, everyone was sat on their phones. So I had this like captive audience who were looking for that kind of content. And it definitely wasn't as saturated back then in, in the scene in terms of people doing the blends videos and stuff. So I kind of had that space to myself. So that was another reason for doing the 50 days of blends and just like doubling down on it and just being like, yeah, I'm the guy for this kind of thing. And um, yeah, the whole thing culminated in a mixtape, which we did um, a, a deal with Apple Music for through one of the, the distros I worked with in Nigeria, Mad Solutions. So that was like one of the first official DJ mixes they put out on the platform. And um, I feel really sorry for the person that had to clear it because they had to go through and the, in the 50 blends, there was something like 110 songs used. Oh my God. So, and they have to go through and, and clear all of those and do the track list and the timestamps and everything. So they used to get in mixes of, you know, 40 minutes, which is just 20 songs, original songs. And then they see my track list come through and I bet the person was just like, this guy. <laughs> so right. I'm oh, sorry wow. to have had to do that. That's crazy. That's so dope though, that it got released officially through Apple music and, um, yeah, and uh, it's it's cool to see the streaming services, you know, sort of actually doing things legally. And I mean, of course, we're sponsored by BeatSource and you're a curator for BeatSource. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge part of their, you know, selling point and why they're here and DJing from the cloud and, you know, doing it officially. So it's cool to see the streaming services be on board with that kind of thing and, and let you legally put a mix out. Um, what were some of like... I guess on both sides, like, did you get any negative feedback from any of the artists um, or what were some amazing positive things that came out of it that you never would have thought of? Um, Well, negative. I mean, no one, no one ever went out of their way to say anything bad, like the artists that maybe just wouldn't, you know, do a main page post for it if they weren't feeling it or whatever. But um, no, it was mostly positive. Um, Right. You know, there right. might be a few fans that were just like, oh, you've ruined the song. It's like, okay, the song still exists. Just go well, listen to the original. Yeah. Like, I've not, I've not deleted it. Or yeah, replaced that's, it. Like, that's a given. But I mean, more like you were saying yeah. where, yeah, like if an yeah. artist was upset, you used their blend, you know, instrumental on the blend yeah. or something. No, no, I didn't have any of that. Like I said, I was, I was very careful. And then the positive yeah. side, obviously it led to like sparking conversations, um, with all these people that's that's one thing that i've always been really conscious of that my whole career is like you've got to add value in whatever situation you're in and yeah i'm not the kind of person that's going to walk in a room and blurt out my cv and then say oh yeah can you do this and this for me i'm always gonna try and provide something first you know and then you know try and build a relationship that way so off the back of this like the best kind of feedback that i had with artists would hear themselves on a different beat they never would normally think to try and they'd hit me like yo i need you to produce a beat for me like this like i want to try a song like this now so i've had 
big artists who are just like, how did you think to put this on this beat or whatever? So, and it's led to me producing for them. So that's probably the biggest thing that's coming from it. That's amazing. Yeah, no, that's huge. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I mean, I think, you know, they're in a certain mindset and as DJs, we're in a different mindset of just taking things that work for some weird reason that probably shouldn't. But, um, cause yeah, some, yeah. I, I play a lot of the blends that you made, you know, when I'm DJing and, it's cool to hear them like over all, even different types of genres. And cause you know, a lot of times like Afro beats, the, some of the instrumentals can sound similar after a while. So when you're putting it over, mm -hmm. like you'd put it over a hip hop track or, you know, big energy or something like that. It's, it was like such a change. Yeah, yeah for sure. That's yeah. That's how, like I'd say my biggest edit that I've ever done in terms of how much it was used and, um, I don't even know how many people even know that I really made it, but I did this one of um, Idonia for the jockey uh, over Thotiana when it first came out. And I mm -hmm. did that because I was DJing in the West End and I basically been told that I wasn't allowed to play any dance or Afro beats. So I was like, how can I get into my set? So I basically just started taking whatever the hottest hip hop instrumentals and throwing acapellas over them. So I did that one. And, um, it just started going crazy. I had no idea. Like a friend of mine was in Trinidad and he heard it playing. And then I get sent a video for some like crazy street party in Paris. And there's like 10,000 people going mad. And then I saw like wow. major laser were playing it. I was listening to, to Annie Mac doing her, she had a guest mix and major laser once and they played one of the edits on there. And I was it's like, this is crazy. Like, and it's one of those, it's always the one you don't think. Like I made that just for myself. <laughs> right. And I think I put it on my SoundCloud and then all these ones where I'm like, this is the one it's, it's never the one. Like it's never, <laughs> ever the one that you think it's something like that, where it's, it's gone crazy. And to this day in London now, like I can't go to an event without hearing that version though. Like they'll play it over the original blue face version, which is crazy. Wow. That's so dope. So, and when you say like, you know, well, I guess two things, like, can you explain what the West End is to other people, you know, um, in terms of oh, DJing sorry, in yeah. London? Yeah, it's just, it's the bottle service clubs, basically. So, um, okay. yeah, you know, there's a lot of um, all the spenders in there. The music policy is very much dictated by whoever's there on the night. You just have to be ready for anything. You play everything from hip-hop that just came out five minutes ago to like the song from frozen to <laughs> maroon five like you just you never know it, like i swear some of the, the shows are crazy and yeah you just have to be prepared for anything you have to have a lot of like recovery songs to try and get the crowd back every time because sometimes you might be doing like 30 or 40 shows in one hour or two hours and every single time you've got to try and get the room back on side so right that's such <clears throat> yeah, a challenge with those i yeah there's only there's only so many songs that are like because you get a lot of tourists and stuff as well there's only so many songs you can play in these places where everyone's gonna know them that sweet spot of like it's still cool for the cool kids and then the commercial crowd are starting to get to know it and and so like i really just focus on trying to have more different ways of playing those songs rather than trying to add more songs into my set for the sake of it. So I think that's where all the edits kind of came from. Right. And how come, uh, like what's the deal with the don't play Afro beats thing? Is it like certain reasons or they just don't think people are feeling it or it's not that style or what's, um, why? Yeah, I think, yeah, it's just a case of like what they think their clients want. Um, okay. and it goes through phases. When I first moved to London, it was very much house 
led and it started changing into hip hop. And like one of the clubs I went to for the first time when I first started looking at the West End stuff, they play house from 11 till one. And then at one o'clock they do like a parade and then it'd just be a hard cut and it'd just be hip hop for the rest of the night. And it was just like, it just too, like it, it wasn't open format in the sense like it was jumping back and forth or anything. It was literally just like two different nights cut down the middle. It was so strange to me. And then the house <laughs> stuff got phased out and it became more hip hop and open format. And now it's like a lot more, um, reggaeton, valley funk, Afro, a little bit of dancehall. It's just, it's just a melting pot basically. Right. Um, but for some reason, they weren't a, weren't a massive fan of, of Afro, but um, now there's like a huge Nigerian presence in the clubs and all the bottle shows are generally Afro beats. So it's, it's, it's huge now. Really? It's unavoidable, but I was thinking I was just a couple of years too early, unfortunately. So yeah, well, that's that, a problem. that makes sense, especially coming from you. you you're a, you're a futuristic forward thinking person, <laughs> you know? Um, but, right. and so when you say the bottle shows, like you're saying when they present, if somebody buys like 20 bottles of champagne, it'll be like an Afrobeat mm-hmm. song would they bring it out to. Yeah. Yeah. That's so crazy. That's, that's, yeah, that's becoming more and more normal now. That's like, crazy. Which like is, which, which one? Obviously, like, before you like Afro B or like the ones everybody knows, or or what are like the top bottle service ones to bring it out? No, no, because no, because generally the the big spenders will be up on the new stuff. Okay. So, like, like I was out this Sunday. the The big one right now is uh, Burner Boy City Boys, which is the yeah. one that has the birthday sex sample. Yeah. So I must have had that like nine times in two hours because these guys are just doing show after show. Um, you got Casey, Ojo Piano is another big one. It's like this, um, Madame Piano song that blew up earlier in the summer. Um, yeah, there's a few, yeah, they don't tend to be the older ones. It's generally like the new hits. Cause they also want to flex their music knowledge a little bit as well, as much as being like, yeah, we're, we're spending. They also want to like test the DJ, like, yo, do you, do you know about this hot new song from Nigeria kind of thing? So, right. I love it. I'm like, I'm ready. Like throw it at me. I'm. Oh yeah. You're I'm, like, I'm more I'm than ready. You're so. like, I have an edit that's going to like blow your that's mind good. of this song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. I try. Um, and so, um, you know, going into like, so I know you come from D- DJing three style and doing those bottle service clubs and you have the skills obviously to do any of that stuff. But like you said, which I think is such an important thing to keep in mind for all DJs and something that is hard to do, especially when we're out in the world is if you take money out of the equation, what do you want to do? Who do you want to be? What do you Mm -hmm. want to represent? What do you want to add to the world and what value do you want to add to the world besides I'm making money and I'm able to pay for things? And I think that's why some of the best DJs started was we didn't even think about money. We just did it for fun. You know, like we were just, we're like getting chills off like two songs going together or learning how to do a scratch or whatever it was. And, um, you know, I think that that's just an important thing that people should keep in mind is like take money out of the equation. And so, um, you know, you don't do as much of those clubs now, right. In the West end and stuff like that. You've really put yourself into the Afro scene and um that's your mm-hmm. main focus yeah but even when i was like i always knew it wasn't going to be my end game so right 
like the advice that I have for my friends and stuff now, I'm not saying I know everything, but there's definitely some like general lessons that I can take from what I've done the last few years. Um, I think like, even, even if you have to do this stuff where you're going to clubs, you don't necessarily want to play and the money might not be what you want. It's still better than the alternative of going and getting another job, like you know, working in retail or something. So I think the best way to do it, you know, so that you enjoy it more and you obviously can get out there quicker is you've got to have your, you've got to have a plan. You've got to have a goal and you've got to work towards it. I think a lot of people don't really know necessarily what they want to do. They just know they want more. They just know they want to be doing bigger shows for more money, but they don't necessarily know what genre they want to be known for. They don't know what their show looks like. And you must, I don't know if it's about you, but I feel like when I was 20, 21, I was rubbish, but I thought I knew everything. And <laughs> as I've got older, I've got better at DJing and I realized that I know less and less as I get older, basically. I'm now at the point where I like, I feel like I'm, I'm entering this new phase of, of being like a producer DJ and trying to be like, a you know, get artists bookings at festivals and those kind of stuff. And I feel like I'm right at the bottom of the next ladder and I haven't got a clue what I'm doing in, in terms of that kind of world. But as far as the resident stuff, I just think, yeah, if you earn all that money week in, week out from a job that you, you know, there's going to be parts of it you enjoy still. I think as long as you know where that money's going, you can invest it in, in yourself, whether it's marketing a record you're going to put out, whether it's putting on your own events. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with going and doing events cheap or f for free even, if they're on brand to build your name up and then you do your other club gigs on the side, you know, just to make the steady cash. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what I've learned from all this. No, that's, I mean, that's words of a wise man, you know, like the more <laughs> you realize that we all know nothing, you know, and that new things are exciting and that being at the bottom rung of the ladder in a new situation is actually insanely exciting and it can feel overwhelming mm -hmm. and like, Oh God, how could I ever get up there? But how did you do it before? You know, you have to remember that you you've done it in other situations. And so to be in that point is good. And also I think that's the thing that's always pushed us ahead is curiosity. And that's what gets us to take these songs and listen to these songs and, and discover more about the genres that we're interested in, the artists, the producers and all that stuff is the curiosity and the not knowing, you know? So if you did know everything, it would just be boring. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so you, you're like, you know, always doing some ambitious project, um, <laughs> by wearing 50 different shirts and 50 different blends. And then now you have just done something that was taking up the, like your entire life for the past couple months was you created a live show with a live band that mm. is performing your blends that you've created. Um, can you give us some more background and some more insight on that and what the plans are going forward for that? And also how the show was, I know you just did the show yeah. like a week ago, right? So tell us, tell us all about yeah, that. Yeah. So sure. Um, yeah, again, it was a little bit of boredom, a little bit of me <laughs> just wanting to give myself a new challenge and, um, yeah, now that I'm more into the production side, I want to do stuff that's more musically involved rather than just standing there mixing two records together. And yeah, I done. I did the last set of blends. Did we ended up with the mixtape, which was cool and did really well. But I thought I can't just do the same thing again. You know, every time you do something, people get slightly less interested each time, even if it's dope. It's like so. I want to keep coming with fresh stuff. 
So yeah, I thought it was about time I do a live show. I seem to have a decent enough following. Um, so yeah, I, I work with some really good musicians here. Um, guitar, bass, sax, keys. I have everything. So I said to the guys like, who's up for doing a, a live show? And it was really good fun. I learned a lot. I've learned a lot musically as well, just being around these guys and having their little nerdy music jokes. I'm starting to understand more and more stuff about theory. So I'm not as left out these days, but um, yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to just make my show bigger than me just stood here. Like I'm not a crazy, like on the mic kind of personal night. I'm not running around the stage screaming. I'm not going to be doing, dancing like an Amapiano DJ. So I thought, how do I make my, my show festival ready? So yeah, the plan is to have a big production, big bands, dancers, everything. And for me, just to almost be like an MD, um, but still be the, the focal point. Um, I wish right. I could sing that make everything way easier, but I can't. <laughs> so unfortunately I'm basically just using the artist vocals to be, uh, the front, you know, the, the, the front of the show. Um, so yeah, we, I think what makes it interesting and, and fun for the audience as well, I'm sure you know, like ascension spans of club goers is getting shorter and shorter now. So if they go and see one of these band shows and they're performing the full four, four and a half minutes of a song with an outro and all this stuff and and then it's sort of coming to an end and then they're performing the next one, next one. You don't get that that same momentum that you would if a DJ was just like playing all these hits back to back. So I kind of want to fuse the two things together. So not only are we fusing, you know, we're not, we're playing like one song every minute, but it's not just one song. It's one song on top of another, but now it's not just one song on top of another. It's like I've taken the stems out and you know, I might just keep the drums and the vocal and then my guitarist, like with Calm Down, for example, like we reimagined the song completely. We didn't play the the same guitar riff that was in the original one. We we switched it up completely. And yeah, it was really it was a really fun project. And like I say for the crowd, it keeps it really fast paced. I don't know what's coming next. For the band, they absolutely hate me because they had to learn 69 songs in one hour and it was absolute hell for them. Um <laughs> Wow. But um yeah, it was great fun. It was a, it was a success, and the the plan is to take it to Nigeria in December. We're just trying to work that out right now. So, um, yeah, that'd be a dream if I can perform over there with all the artists and stuff. Oh my on god, the ground, you know that's so dope. Yeah, so. it's almost like you know, shout to Jay Period. He does that live mixtape thing, and he'll have rock him rap over you know Wu Tang beats, you know, or he'll, he'll do a live mixtape with different oh, old man. school rap artists. And I think, yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's completely different what you're doing, but in the same sense where you're saying you'd love to go to Nigeria and have them come out and perform, you know, it's has some similarities. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that would be incredible. I know you'll do it. I know you'll, that will happen. And, um, I know December is like yeah, I hope so. a massive December is a huge month in Nigeria, right. For partying and, and everyone coming together. Yeah, it's homecoming basically. So um, yeah, a lot of people in the diaspora come home for Christmas and it's just, yeah, one month of nonstop partying events, concerts, everything. Um, I stayed out there for two months last year and it nearly killed me, but it was like one of the best times of my life. It was so <laughs> hectic, but it was, yeah, it was amazing. That's amazing. It. Why did it nearly kill you? Like what, I mean, tell us, uh, yeah, what was that like? I mean, just the planning of it it's and intense. then your entire trip like how did uh how did that come about yeah, so and what was it like um 
so I, I plan to go out there to to work on music but december is not exactly the best time because you know the labels shut down and a and r's aren't really trying to work the artists aren't necessarily in studio mode anymore so um I decided to stay through January as well, but December, I said, let me see how many gigs I can get. So I got booked for New Year's Eve and I got a booking on the 26th of November um, with Glenn Fiddick because a lot of the stuff out there is run by like alcohol brands and stuff. So they'll they'll do like a takeover at the club, they'll book the talent and the club doesn't really pay the DJs or anything directly. So I did some work with them and Remy Martin. Um, so I went out there with just those two gigs, like six weeks apart and nothing in between. But once I got on the ground... And they heard me play the first time. They booked me for like a bunch more stuff. And then I got booked in Ghana. And then like things just snowballed so fast. And then some of the smaller artists who haven't, you know, haven't got live shows and stuff yet. They did want to work because they were obviously, they're hungry to get music out there and stuff. So, you know, I'm in a new country. My bank card doesn't work. My phone doesn't work. I didn't know where I was staying. Like it was, it was mad. So trying to balance all that, trying to do full-time producer in the day, in a studio that I'm hiring isn't my own. <clears throat> and, you know, you've got the, the generators going down. So you're like in the middle of a recording and all of a sudden, like just a blackout in the studio, the audio cuts and you have to wait for someone to go and fill it up again and restart. And it was just, <clears throat> I wouldn't change it for the world. But it was a whole experience. Like it was the first, first few days I was definitely stressed because I'm very like meticulous in my planning, but I just had to realize there was so much out of my control at that point that, just had to embrace it for what it was and um yeah i ended up doing like 15 16 shows in december um recorded like a whole bunch of music it was great oh that's that's amazing and um i know that you ended up linking up with some of the artists that you made blends of and that you linked up over the pandemic with right and becoming like a tour dj for some people and doing some stuff can you tell us about that yeah, so um, Ashake, who's one of the, probably one probably the fastest rising artist in Nigerian history, like his breakout year was unbelievable. I think he had six number ones. Like every single song on his album was a smash. Um, and yeah, he's winning every award. He's selling out arenas. Anyway, he had he had three shows in London back to back at the end of November, just after I'd flown out. And um, so I was in Nigeria, and he messaged me saying. I'm in the UK. I need you to come run my show with me. And I was like, oh, I can't like, I'm, I'm already in Nigeria. Like I can't come <laughs> back. And he's like, all right, no problem. So I thought, oh man, that's, that's my chance gone. Like I was so gutted. Cause oh, like I say, God. his, what his are the chances? is crazy. You're like, I'm yeah, in Nigeria. Like, well, I'm, I, <laughs> yeah. And you're back in London. Like, of course. So I, I was gutted. Um, so I thought that was kind of my, my chance gone. But, um, on, I think it was boxing day. I get a DM from him He's like, yo, what's up, bro? What are you doing tomorrow? And I was like, I'm just in Nigeria still. He said, oh, okay, I'm going to fly you to Ghana. You're going to do my show. I was like, okay. I hadn't met him at this point. <laughs> I had, you know, a little bit of contacts on the Insta DM and stuff, but yeah, I'd really, really supported his music heavy. Like I did these uh, 90 second mini mixes of his album and I mixed up the whole album. Wow. Um, I've done that for both of them now. Did that. Plus a load of blends went viral. Like the Sungba over Essence one did really well. And he saw all of that. And I love the fact that he reached out personally. He's just like, I love what you do. And I want to basically just give you all of my acapellas, all of my instrumentals and just do what you do on TikTok and Instagram with my show, basically. So obviously that was 
way different to me doing 30 seconds yeah in my studio here and dance along to the lyrics and then you know done out right. it's like i flew out met him there's apartment and he gave me all the files and he just stood over me watching me program the entire show so i'm there like <laughs> trying mashups and like but it ended up being like full-on production we had to stem stuff out he's like i want the sax to be louder so i had to like stem out the sax and isolate it and boost that and then we had to stack the vocals because his thing is very much like a crowd vocal thing like yeah. a lot of his music is like choirs and like crazy stack shout out to magic sticks as well he's a producer i've seen those guys record and it's it's mad they record oh, like it's 70 so- layers to make this stuff like yeah, it's like anthemic. Yeah, it's, it's just it's all incredible. sounds huge. That organized song and like all his songs, you just feel like yeah. you're in the crowd when you play it. Oh, uh, it's amazing. So yeah, we stacked that up even more, like more vocals on top of vocals and we just made it. Um, so yeah, he's, he basically just watched over me while I put the entire show together. And then he's like, yeah, cool, go go to dinner and then we're going to go to the show. But no rehearsal, no run through, no nothing. I just texted him the set list on WhatsApp and then we just <laughs> got there in front of 35,000 people. And I was like, okay, cool. So like while I was eating my dinner, I literally had my plate here and I was bouncing the stems in Ableton while I'm like eating like this. And I basically had to just, yeah, I had to bounce each part of the, the set kind of at the tempo and then just mix it exactly as he knew it um i right. couldn't obviously deviate off that and but the hardest thing is he was like 100 meters away from me because i had one of those like t-shaped stages where he's like way way down the front so i literally couldn't make out his facial expressions i couldn't see him so <laughs> i was just there dj and blind never done a show before together oh. luckily it was really smooth um and yeah he was really happy then we did uh we did nigeria together as well um a couple of weeks later so yeah that was crazy and that's it's funny actually i know i know something similar happened with um four color zach and the dream right where they yeah. he was doing mixtapes and then he kind of got called to do it and i always thought that was amazing and i always thought it's one of those things that just doesn't happen so for it to happen to me for those edits like i really appreciated it it's one of those things i just never thought i'd see oh yeah that's, it was, it that's was incredible it just, just goes to show you yeah, if you just put the content out like you never know yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah. And you never know what's going to be the one, like you said, I mean, you even told me that, you know, I mean, probably the biggest Afrobeat song in America, I don't know about, or maybe the world is that Rema calm down song. Right. I would think. Uh, mm-hmm. and you were telling me that that wasn't even the song that they were thinking to push for, for the album. No, apparently not. Yeah. So it's one of my friends at the label and they, they had the right on a different song entirely, but <laughs> it's just yeah you just never know like sometimes something just it can be a tiktok trend it can be it picks up in a territory that you never imagined like i know he now has a crazy following in india right um he has a lot of like indian sort of sound to his voice his like his melodies and his like vocal texture and stuff actually does sound quite similar to them so it's not like completely out of the question but mm-hmm. it's still crazy to see how that genre has blown up so much over there off the back of that song and yeah it's on billions of streams now we're seeing stuff we've never seen before with afro beats so it's a great time and fortunately for me it's like aligning with my sort of rise in the scene at the same time so right yeah it's incredible oh that's so cool um and then so uh what about like 
you know, you spent two months in Nigeria. Like, I know you have a bunch of other crazy stories or funny stories. Like, what are some other memories you have or things that stand out or things you want to share with us from your time out there? Oh, man. Um, I swear, like, so much happened. Uh, I wish I kept a diary because, like, I sometimes just have flashbacks and, like, remember, like, whole weeks of things that happened, which are just crazy because right. it's just so, everything's just so different over there. Like, the the infrastructure, like the roads and everything obviously isn't great, but then the nightclubs are incredible. They're like some of the best I've ever been to in the world because it's all privately owned. So wow. yeah, there's from the sound, the lighting, the stages, everything incredible. The, every club I went to, I had red carpet treatment. I was getting interviewed on the carpet on the way in and I just wasn't used to it. It was, it was, it was so crazy. Then you, know, you walk back out on the street and you're back to seeing people begging on the street. Like the, it, it was mad. So yeah, culturally it was, it was a lot to get used to. Um, but yeah, there was so much. I remember one, one of the shows we did with Ashake actually was so funny. Um, there was a Nigeria one and afterwards it took us like two hours to get out of the car park because the car just got mobbed. Once they realized he'd got in it, that was it. And I was riding with him and, um, they were trying to clear the way. And everyone's running in the streets, like, okay, okay, trying to get to him and stuff. They're like climbing on the roof of the car, trying to get in through the sunroof. They're like, like mobbing us. Oh my God. And eventually we got away and we got out onto this main road and we like were speeding like 30, 40 miles an hour. So sort of get away. And we sort of like sigh, like, oh, we're, we're out of it now. And then we just hear, Ash, okay, Ash, okay. And we're like, what was that coming from? He wound the window down. There was a guy hanging onto the car like this and he'd hung on the whole way. No. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. He must've like have his foot on like a bike on like the rest, the rack or something. I don't know how, but he was hanging onto the car like this. And we were like, yo, like get down. You're going to hurt yourself. Like, oh my God. yeah. And it was mad. So he jumped off and he just ran after the car. He chased us. Like it's, it was so funny. Like I've got that picture of his face. Like the, he was just like <laughs> holding on for dear life on the side of this car. Um, yeah, it was, it was crazy. Oh my uh, God. So, it's so much nuts. fun over there. What about like, I don't even know if this is a thing, but I mean, what about just being like a white guy, you know, in mm-hmm. Africa, you know, in Nigeria, I guess. And, and in the Afrobeat scene, like an, a white DJ, like, is that, abnormal does anyone talk about that or is that just like whatever we're all in this i mean obviously you uh appreciate the culture you like respect it you're so genuine you you add value like you said it's not like you're trying to Mm -hmm. appropriate anything you know but um i don't know i just wonder if that's something that was is ever discussed yeah yeah definitely um yeah i mean like i I have like a, a decent following over there now. So I was getting recognized every so often, like right. in, you know, I'd be in the supermarket and some guy like come up to me with my TikTok and be like, is this you? But other days <laughs> people would just come and take a picture with me because I'm a white person. So like, and I, and I never knew which it was going to be until they told me. So they come over and they'd be like, Oh, and I'm like, Hey, what's up? And I'm like, are they about to say they listen to my mixtapes or are they just like, what are you doing? I just take a video of you? Like, yeah, why, why are you here? Kind of thing. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was great. Like I wanted to go for so long. I just wanted to make sure that everything was in place and I've got some really good friends that kind of make sure I was looked after from the minute I got there to the minute I left. And, um, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a USP for me. Like there's not many, I'm sure there are plenty of DJs doing it, but I don't think many people would take the plunge to go there for two months and live there and 
fully immerse themselves in the culture. And I think they really, really appreciate that. Like I've seen a lot of relationships that I've had with people online or even people that I'd met here over the last sort of four or five years, we see each other in person. It'd be very surface level. Once I made the effort to go over there, then it was like a brother thing. Like you can really right. tell the difference. So yeah, I have, I've had uh, literally zero problems um, with that. Like I've been, I've been embraced. Um, nice. Yeah. It's been great, but yeah, it's definitely a talking point and definitely like everywhere you go, people are looking at you and wondering what you're doing, wondering why you're there and stuff. So, right. Yeah. Maybe a little skeptical at first, but then realize that you're, you're there for the right reasons and just trying to be a part of, part of the culture yeah. like everybody else. But for that show I had on um, New Year's Eve, they actually took out like a huge advertising campaign and it was me, Spinnel, Obi, Major League DJs, like all the biggest DJs there. And um, there's these like taxi buses kind of thing. They're like the size of like a van. And yeah. they had um, they had our pictures on the back of all of them. And there were literally thousands of these. And they, I think they went out early November and they were still there when I left at the end of January. So my face was just all over the city. So I'd get in an Uber and the guy wow. would be like, Oh, this guy looks like you. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. He, he looks like me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like it's, it's twin, like, my yeah. twin brother, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Very similar. Like, um, yeah. So I was like, when I walked out of the airport, like we were on the billboard right there. And so, yeah, my, my face definitely got around the stuff. Wow. That's amazing. It was, it was, yeah. It was crazy experience. And doing the music production. Um, I mean, you, you worked on a ton of music out there that, uh, and I know that, you know, you see that as your future. I know you're doing the live band thing and you're figuring out a way that you can perform at these festivals and whatever you can get booked for. Um, and you know, that makes sense in, mm -hmm. in terms of that. And the music production is another thing that you see for your future that's growing and you're obviously working on it and you were there for two months doing it. Um, what was that like? I know you mentioned to me that you would do something like three songs in a session. You would decide, okay, I'm going to keep this one. And then the other person can use this one, or mm -hmm. it was a way to make deals with everybody. Um, do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Like what the music production process was like and, and your plans for it and what you've done with sure. the music or what you're going to do with it. Yeah. Again, uh, production stuff was, um, another result of lockdown. I've wanted to do it forever, but never had the time. And I was also scared because it's a daunting task. Like I've been doing edits for 15 years, but there's a big difference between chopping up someone else's music and making your own, you know? So yeah. I was waiting to have the time to sort of throw myself into that. And um, yeah, once I got into it, I realized it's not so bad. And like I say, I, I teamed up with some, some great like guitarists and other musicians and stuff that have helped me. Um, but yeah, I definitely see that's, that's the way forward for me now. Like I've done, I feel like I've done pretty much everything I can do as a DJ. I don't really feel like it'd be more of the same. It'd be more, more festivals, more club shows, more, you know, DJing for sports, whatever it is. I just feel like it can go to that next level with music production if you have a big record. So yeah, that's my main focus now. But um, yeah, it's like everything. I just threw myself into it head first. And <clears throat> there's definitely some moments where I got a bit ahead of myself because I've used my sort of 17 years or whatever it's been now DJ and the relationships that I have to leverage stuff in the production world, which maybe was a little bit premature. So like in December, I found myself um, at the house of one of, the, one of the biggest artists over there. And um, I'd produced this song, recorded it with an artist that I know. But him and I have a really good relationship. So he's kind of happy to 
let me learn on the job with the vocal engineer inside. Like when I'm in the UK, I had a vocal engineer doing everything up to that point, but there's just me trying to figure it out. So he recorded it. We did the song. And then the next morning he's like, I've sent it to my guy. He loves it. He wants you to come to his house and, and finish the song. So I was like, okay, cool. So he pulled up at his house and the two artists say hi. And he's like, where's the producer? And he's like, oh, that's him there. He's like, no, no, no. Like where's, where's the producer? They're like, He's like, it's James. He's like, oh, no, no. Like, where's the person who made the beat? And he's like, it's, it's James. And he's like, what? He's like, no, no, no. He's like, come, come to my studio right now. So we go upstairs. I'm playing some of my beats. And he was just like, no, like ran around the house, got all of his friends to like come running up. And they were in the room. And he's like, this all your boy, like all is the white person. They was like, yo, this all your boy, mate. He made these beats like crazy. So he's like, right, I want to jump in it right now. So he just made me vocal engineer this track there and then but i was so scared i had no idea what i was doing but i was in the situation where i was like i might not get this opportunity again so right. i was like let me just focus on getting like a clean recording but then he was like oh yeah we're gonna do the crowd vocal thing right you're okay to do that and i was like mm-hmm. like this and like <laughs> I, had, I had my videographer with me and he was filming me from the side you can just see my face drop and i'm just there like this the whole time like <laughs> chewing gum at like 100 miles an hour like <laughs> like so nervous oh my and, uh, God. it was yeah uh, i did but when i so when i got back i was like damn i need to focus on this stuff so this last sort of six months i've been really focused on, on the vocal engineering side so that i don't put myself in that position again this december but um wow yeah and in, in terms of that like like you say i like to come with a lot of options for the artist do one that's you know regular for them and then try and get one out of their comfort zone and then we have that discussion of okay, I think this one's perfect for you to release with me as a producer. And then this one's perfect as like a DJ's feature in you kind of DJ single that I can push. So I tend to take the more clubby one. They tend to take the more artsy kind of different one. So, and, and that works out perfectly for me as well. Now that I'm trying to let everyone know that I can produce to have all that sort of variety out there, not just, you know, 50 Mappione club beats. It's right. good that we have like dancehall influence stuff and some, you know, more like UK Afro swing vibes, typical Afro pop. We have a mixture of everything. So, um, yeah, that's what we'd be trying to do really just cover all bases. Right. That's so cool. How are you, well, what are you producing in, uh, like your program and then how are you approaching it and getting the sounds and me making the beats and the grooves and, you know, and the drum patterns, mm-hmm. like what's your uh, process with that? Um, so Ableton, just because I've been using that my whole life. Right. So it was just a natural thing to carry on. Like every other door looks alien to me at this point. <laughs> I know Ableton's kind of the odd one out in terms of workflow, but right, like I just don't get on with logic and stuff. Um, but FL Studio or Fruity Loops is huge in Nigeria. Okay. And a lot of the sounds come from it. So if you want to get that, like I don't want to, I don't want to sound like other producers. I want to copy them, but there are definitely some elements sonically that you need in there for that familiarity. If you want to make the artists comfortable, if you're trying to take them out of their comfort zone a little bit, you can't just give them a hundred percent new elements. So I basically had to get FL studio and route it into Ableton so that we can use some of the presets. So like in a Mappiano, there's certain bass sounds that you hear in every song. There's certain, like the log drum, right? It comes from the DX 10, um, VST that's only in FL. There are like, kind of other versions you can get for stuff but the original is in there with the the most sort of control so yeah that's what i do i route fl through ableton now um oh and the production always it always starts with drums because 
Afrobeats more than any other genre is very percussion and and drum driven. Like you can have songs where like melodically there's not a lot going on, but the, the drums like carry the track so much. And there's amazing producers like Sars and who produced Mona Lisa and P Prime, um, who the drums are just so crazy. You could just have drums and a vocal and it'd be a, a great song. The everything else yeah. is just extra, you know, they add so much. I like, I like producers where it's not just an eight bar loop for the whole track. Like every, every eight you're getting something new and then something comes out and something else comes in. And that's very much like how Afrobeats production is. So yeah, we always start with the drums and then yeah, I call them my guys, depending on what kind of vibe we're on. We'll start, sometimes you start with bass. Sometimes you start with guitar. It just depends who's feeling creative on the day and that's i think that's the great thing about working with a lot of people we're never really going to get writer's block because someone always has an idea and then once the initial chords are down or once the initial guitar part is down everyone else will all of a sudden like okay cool we'll have something and right. we sort of go from there so so it's mainly live yeah. instrumentation over the drums that you're getting from fl studio mostly and then routing it into ableton to sort of record what you've done in fl studio yeah, the, the, the FL starts more for the synths and the VS, the VSTs because like the presets for like the right. more electronic sounds you hear in my piano. It's called like the UFO. I'm not going to do a bad impression of it, but there's like these weird sounds you get in in AMA that are um, they all come from FL. So the, the drums I do in Ableton. I'm, okay. I'm weird. I work in audio just because I'm used to it rather than MIDI. So yeah, it's just samples I've collected from swapping with other producers or Splice or whatever. Um, and then yeah, it's a mixture of live stuff and vsts depending on what kind of vibe we're going for if it's afro pop then it's very much instrument led whereas the mapiano stuff's like a lot more electronic it's just dance music at the end of the day so yeah right it's just it's like almost yeah, just so. like how house music is but slowed down with different instruments not the one beat the whole time you know it's almost like an invisible beat like that's yeah. why people are dancing like to the offbeat <laughs> with it or something um oh that's so dope yeah. man well i'm so happy that you're you're getting into that production thing you obviously have the ear for it you've got the the drive for it you know the inspiration so um i love what i've heard so far i can only imagine what you've been working on and and what's coming you know and i think what you're doing with the live band is is just genius and um different from everybody else Thank and you. that's how you've approached everything is just like i said in the beginning just your own style of it you know but but not too different and and i was saying that to you before i think i heard like virgil abloh talking about being a great designer and not changing too much like take keeping the core elements but then changing small amounts and that's kind of been your point to everything you've been saying this whole interview i think and even how you're approaching the music mm -hmm. like i can't give them something too new you have to make them feel comfortable but then give it your own angle and um i think that's really cool you know and i know a lot of producers uh, from out there can do more of the like DJ Khaled style or, or, you know, style of a, a, a traditional producer where they're bringing everyone together and they're making their vision come to life. Mm -hmm. But you're focused on, you know, you're able to do that, but also learn the technical abilities of making the music and then like even the recording of the voice and all that stuff. So I think that's yeah, cool. I'm a bit of a control freak. So <laughs> yeah, I kind of have to. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I just, I like anything technical and I like just, I like being challenged. So it was always going to happen. I, I wouldn't feel comfortable sitting here having someone else make my beats for me and then someone else 
engineering my vocals. Like I, I right. want to be able to do everything. So I'm learning to play keys now because I want to be able to play. Like on the live show, I played some log drum live, just using the XP2 as a sampler. Um, oh wow! That's but long term, I want to play more keys and to be more involved. Really, I don't. I, as much as I'm MD in this, I am still, you know, supposed to be the artist. Yeah. in this whole thing so i can't just be stood there for an hour while everyone else is like playing like going crazy on the guitar or whatever and i'm just stood there like bopping right. along while the vocal plays like i want to be a lot more involved so you should look yeah, at we're, uh we're building incubus you know dj Kilmore from incubus i feel like he's he's always been the dj of their band and he's like grown his setup to this insane thing that surrounds him with like keyboards and the dj setup and like he's able to like do a scratch solo then do the keyboards then add these things then do percussion oh wow and like that could be a cool you know thing to spark your inspiration look at and uh he was on the show and was explaining it to me and i got to go check it out in person and so dope and i think that that's been you know he won i think that's his role in the group too you don't want to just do the one thing and now he has all these amazing keyboards and different sounds and different things he can add. So yeah, that's, that's dope. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Please check that out. Yeah, you should for sure. He's, he's super cool. I mean, I, uh, got to meet him and we actually, um, we actually got to test out that new pioneer turntable, the cross 12 that, uh, just came out. Um, we got to kind of be part of the production process and testing and all that stuff and oh man it came out so dope you basically you can control serato with it but also use real vinyl and i don't know if you've seen it but it's pretty great mm-hmm. um yeah yeah that's and, amazing and so um what about oh and so you know something we have not talked about that is very important and is partially the reason why we're here is beat source dj city and your work with the curation of that type of mu- of African music within DJ City and Beat Source. Um, I mean, honestly, you're a huge reason and helping factor of why DJs are playing African music worldwide. I think you know, um, especially mm-hmm. people that are part of the DJ City community and the Beat Source community. And um, your cur- your curation is amazing like you're always so up on top of everything the edits you make are super tasteful and dope and um whenever anybody asks me like yo where do where do you get african music i'm a piano afro beats afro house afro pop i'm like go to dj city look up d james look up his own edits all that stuff you know so and then they always go really and then thank me profusely later so (laughs) thank you um and yeah so i think that that and and you were so up on it like you've been doing it before anybody even cared about it in a way here not not there but i think in america Mm -hmm. you know we're always we're like first on some stuff and we're way behind on other stuff and so i think that um Mm -hmm. you know you were always pushing that stuff and like like we talked about when we met you know you were into it and it's only gotten crazier from there and beat source has grown so much and their African section and same with um, DJ city. And I like how their site is now revamped where I can search each genre subgenre, do it by date, do it by popularity. I do that a lot just to kind of see what's going on. I know that the charts in probably yeah. America don't relate to even what UK is big Afrobeats and then especially Ghana, Nigeria, where it's really coming from. But it's still cool to be able to 
look into that. But even when you were saying those bottle service songs, I'm like, ooh, I need to look up that second song you said. I'm like, I don't even think I know that song. And you're saying it's a huge song. Oh, the right. So I, I got to get on that. But um, yeah, do you want to talk about kind of how that came about and what you do in that role? Yeah, for sure. That Again, that's another case of like just doing the work and figuring it out later because when I started making edits <clears throat> sort of 15 years ago, I could never envisage that I'd have this role now. And right. And same way I could never have pictured Afrobeats being this big and beat source as a company. Like it still blows my mind that we can have these officially licensed edits and stuff like that to me, same with the, uh, the official mixtape on Apple. Like I never thought I'd see the day that, all that stuff would be legit, you know? Um, mm. And it's amazing for the artists as well, because it means I can financially support them as well, as well as just playing their music now. Like everyone gets paid. Um, Incredible. Yes, sir. Give me a yes, yeah. sir. <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> deserves a... Um, out. Okay. <laughs> wow. You got out of your system now, yeah? Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm back. I'm back to the buttons, yeah. baby. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Oh, uh, didn't mean to um, throw you off, but yeah. So tell us about no, like no, your, cool. your beat it's course cool. curation, yeah. DJ city curation. And, um, yeah. Yeah. So, so the, the DJ city thing started because I started something called crates by D James, where I was given out edit packs and I gave out 2000 in a year and I built up like a really wow. big following in the UK. Yeah. Um, these are like mashups, hype edits, all this kind of stuff. Before that, I was just doing intros and quick hitters, and um, and that yeah, that built to the point where they, uh, I think, play hit me up and was like, "Yo, do you want to do edits for DJ City?" Like, to see that everyone's using your stuff, and so I started doing that. But it was like all genres. I was just I was in hip hop, R and B, everything back then, right? And then um, this role as um, it started out doing more dancehall and reggae because that was. I think around 2015, that was, um, you know, more popular with the American user base for sure. Yeah. And, and just commercially as well, you know, had still had, a, had all the big songs, Charlie Black and the conscience and all this other stuff up until sort of 2017, 2018. So I started out doing that, but when we first started, we had like no dance or Afrobeats on the site. So I was only allowed to send like a very select amount and I had to basically, explained why we needed each one and put people on but you know back then i was saying oh yeah this song is popping in jamaica right now or this song's popping in nigeria like it has a million views on youtube and then you know the latin songs would have like a billion <laughs> so i was like my my measuring stick for a hit was yeah, i couldn't really like validate it with youtube views and stuff it was never gonna wow anybody in america but i just knew that it was culturally relevant and we needed to to improve on it so yeah, I built up the trust over time to the point where I didn't have to sort of, you know, give explanations or have any sort of quota. And then, yeah, the sound's just taken off, the demand's grown and just grown with it. I mean, I still don't upload everything. Um, my role is to see what's bubbling in Nigeria and present it to our audience at the right time. It's not about just giving it on release day because something could blow up six months later and they've missed it by then. Right. So, um, I try to focus with the edits. I try to focus on giving people different ways of playing the same song. Like I said earlier, because we're all ultimately stuck playing the same stuff when it comes to commercial clubs a lot of the time. So it's, it's fun to have different ways of bringing the same song in rather than having a thousand songs that nobody knows. So that was what I kind of focused on. And then 
um yeah then the Beatles thing came about um so three and a half four years ago now i think um they said yeah we're setting up this new company um there's a caribbean and african role obviously i was really doing that job for dj city and yeah it snowballed and it's one of those things i could never have planned for um but thinking about my my skill set is kind of perfect it's like the culmination of everything because i was i was working on capital extra here like one of the biggest radio stations and i was producing the dance or reggae show for like three years so i was building that relationship with the artists and the producers and stuff through that i was working on my own stuff but then like i say with my dj sets i was facing a bit of an uphill battle to actually play the music i liked and so like for years i was spinning all these different plates but nothing was like really coming together and i'd say sort of around the time of the beats or stuff it's like everything finally started to make sense like okay now my radio experience comes in i did the dj's radio thing and i knew how to do that because i've been observing uh raz kwame he's like one of the you know veteran broadcaster here. um and then yeah just the the demand came at the perfect time. I had the skill set in terms of the editing and, and I had the network in terms of the artists and the labels because of my radio stuff and, and capital extra. So, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been great. It's a dream job for me. Keep, I get to keep on top of the music. I get to talk to my favorite artists every day. It's, it's great. That's huge. And you do such a great job, man. Thank you so much. Um, but how do you how do you stay on top of like finding the Afrobeats music? I know you're in that scene, and you know that's how it goes. But mm-hmm. like, do you have any places you check or any other? You know, how do you stay on top of that music? And then, what are some of the artists coming up that you think we should know about? Okay, um, I'm pretty fortunate now that people tend to come to me with the music. Okay, like way too much i can't even keep up with it but um right. so i have to try and sift through it it used to be um i just check blogs like blogs are still a huge thing in nigeria especially so they have music blogs i just used to go through and i'd listen to every single song it didn't matter if it had the worst album art and i never heard of them i'd listen to everything right um especially when i was doing the radio show that's why it was taking so long two or three days of going through stuff so yeah it was blogs it was youtube trending it was social media obviously if dance trying to just start to pop off you notice and now my instagram is my biggest tool really because i'll spend hours on like a thursday and a friday just going through my feed like hundreds and thousands of posts just seeing who's posting cover art who's announcing a new single who's announcing a new album and i just save stuff constantly then for beat source i add it to our new release sheet and keep on top of it make sure we've got it make sure i have edits and then i have to bother all the producers and engineers for the instrumental and acapella and they will hate me but it's just part of it so um yeah it's, it's a mixture obviously if it's a big artist i'm gonna know about it if it's sort of um, a b or a c list kind of level artist they sort of tend to come to me because they know what i'm doing now and i have the platform so um but yeah so it's, it's a lot of like I have these site. I think one's called like Pop Noble or something. It's a site that basically tracks um, the amount of views per day for songs released in the last year. So I use stuff like that, where like so I, ch- I check like the most viewed videos in Jamaica this year, and and anything I don't recognize, I just tab open it. Sometimes it'd be like thirty. I haven't checked, and I'll just 
yeah, I'll watch it, see if it's suitable, see if it looks like the legit views or not, obviously, because there's a lot of that going on. But I'll right. check, you know, do the likes add up, do the comments add up, but then I'll check the social media and see what the presence is like. And, and some of them I'll download them and I'll just park them up for a while and just be like, I'll come back to this in a couple of weeks and see what's happening or some of them like, okay, we need to have this right now. So there's a whole system. It's not just like this haphazard, just like throwing loads of Afrobeats and dance on the site, you know, there's, yeah. it's, it takes a lot of work to, to keep on top of this. Yeah. Yeah. No, that attention to details, like next level. Um, that's super dope. What's that site? Pop Noble, you said? Yeah, I think so. I can even check right now. I have like a bunch of different ones. And you yeah, and pop, when you say pop, views, pop Nable, Oh, wait, what is it? Pop, pop Nable, like P O P N A B L E. Okay. So I have, I have a bookmark for the Jamaican one. I think they do like all different charts, but it's just, and is yeah, it mainly like, based on YouTube? When because you, you're saying views, that one is yeah. Okay. So it's, it's just like YouTube views, but YouTube's like one of the biggest things out there. Like it, it was the same with like Nigeria. I only just got Spotify a few years ago, so their user base is relatively small. Apple Music's not particularly big. They have these um, what's called freemium services like Audio Mac and Deezer and stuff, and and Boomplay where it's more it's free to listen but you have adverts and then you can pay but those so right youtube metrics are pretty important in those markets because a lot of people still use it as their number one source to sort of consume music so right yeah i use that data a lot nice and then what about like because you know we talked a little bit about you growing virally and posting these videos and we talked about instagram so much but i know tiktok is a huge part of it like is TikTok still a big part of um, your life? And like, what's the difference between the two? How much time do you spend on each one respectively? I try not to spend any time on that platform because <laughs> obviously it's designed to be addictive. TikTok. Like, you know, it's like, even when, when I post my video, I, yeah, I literally, as soon as it hits upload, it takes like 30 seconds. I pause the video that's open because I know if that starts playing, I'm like, oh, okay. Then it's like, bam, bam, <laughs> like, and before I know it, half an hour has gone by. So I yeah, I tend not to spend any time on there because the thing is I don't really need to sort of watch trends or anything on that. I'm not really doing that sort of content where I'm needing to keep on top of what's current. Right. I have my own thing, which is just DJing on a white wall. It's very simple. It's not changed for three years. So like, I'm not really trying to watch the, the market like that. Um, but yeah, TikTok is huge for me. It's a strange platform because it goes in like huge bumps. It doesn't seem to be like a very steady growth. You'll just have like, one video will pop off and do like a hundred, you know, 500,000 views or something. You'll get 10 gay followers. Right. And the next one might do 400 views. And it's quite disheartening because you think like, yeah, I've cracked it. And then the next one does nothing. Um, and I've seen that a lot of, a lot of people come to me and ask like how to sort of do it. And I see them do sort of four or five videos and none of them works. They give up. Right. And you can't do that. Like some of these top guys, they'll, not only will they do five different videos, they'll repost the same video five times because, yeah. Sometimes it just hits the algorithm differently. Posting at different times a day, like that first sort of five or ten minutes, whatever sort of engagement it gets, is really important to TikTok deciding whether it's going to push your content or not. So, um, yeah, I just try to flood it with as much content as possible. But I can't keep up with these professional content <laughs> creators, man. These guys are doing it three three videos a day sometimes. Oh, like, that's crazy. I don't have time. But yeah, what about does so, does one have more of an impact on your career or musically or anything at all or the equal Instagram 
Instagram, Instagram for sure. Because the yeah, because the Instagram following it's like built and it stayed, whereas the TikTok following is actually bigger somehow. It sort of overtook Instagram in like six months, but I don't know anybody on there. I don't. It's just like right thousands of people and i don't really have much engagement i try to reply but whereas instagram it feels like a community i feel like i've i've seen it grow over time so i know the people that have joined me at certain points in my career like the people that follow me for red bull three star might not necessarily like what i'm doing now but fortunately i'd say that i've gained sort of 90 percent of my following in the last year or so so most people that follow me are very engaged in what i'm doing currently so i think that's that's another thing where I'm, I'm quite lucky as well because with music, I think as you get older, it's harder to sort of relate to the music that 18 year old was listening to. Right. Like I know now, like I don't like hip hop as much as I did 10 years ago. Right. And it doesn't mean it's better or worse. It just means it's different and it's not my hip hop. Like the same yeah. way there was guys barking at me when I was listening to two thousands, like this is a nineties. This is a pro-. So I, yeah. I don't become that guy. But fortunately for me right now, I love the same Afro beats that 18 and 19 year olds love. And that's a huge part of me being successful because I think if I was having to force it, this would be, this would be impossible. Honestly, the amount of work it is like, yeah, that's kind of why I had to get out of all the open format stuff. I didn't enjoy keeping up with all the music and stuff. It was really, it was really difficult. Whereas with this, if I wasn't doing it, I'd listen to it anyway. Right. So right. Yeah, it's, it's worked out okay. And like speaking of your open format, you know, back in the day uh, type of career, um, I know you definitely did a lot of dope gigs in in that type of world. You know, I know you played for the, I think it was the first Major League Baseball game in Europe or one, was it the first? Okay. Yeah, yeah, it was the first ever. Yeah. And so the Yankees I, and the Red Sox. Yankees and Reds. Oh, that's like the ultimate rivalry. What? Uh, so can you tell us yeah. uh, about that? What was that like? Uh, well, first of all, shout out to uh, Tony Perry for that one. My oh, friend. Shout out to Tony uh, Perry. He's That's... like the guy. Yeah. Yeah. Legend. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Perry. <laughs> I thought I had, a, I thought I had a button that said, yeah. boy, but I guess not. <laughs> yeah. Just don't. You end up pressing the wrong one. Uh, yeah. Yes, so <laughs> Tony Perry. Yeah. He helped me. <laughs> Um, but yeah, shout we'll out to Tony we'll Perry. He's the ultimate. He yeah, was on so this he, podcast. So dope. Yeah. Yeah. Check that one out. Very nice guy. One of my best friends in the industry. Like just, yeah. And he, he, um, he's the king of that sports stuff over here and the corporate stuff. And, uh, he's the one that got me involved. He couldn't do both days. So he put me on. Um, and it, yeah, it was a, it was a crazy experience. Um, sure. I never done anything like that before as well because it was it was it was being broadcast on TV so it was being run to a whole different clock to anything live that we were doing in that stadium and also right. the fact that it was the first game there and there were so many casual fans who just wanted to go for a day out with the kids who had no idea what the rules were in all the breaks they were having to show these like two two and a half minute VTs on the screen to, to explain the rules <laughs> oh, wow. and, so like yeah, so I was told I was going to get like you know, 15 little three-minute sets or something. So I prepared all these dope like routines where I'd yeah. start with like an acapella or I'd have like a wordplay that kicks in maybe after 20 or 30 seconds. Some of my sets were like 15 seconds long. 15 so I didn't seconds? Even get it. <laughs> yeah, because they ran the, they'd, they'd say, oh yeah, we have two two minutes 45 
the TV break and we have a two minute 30 VT and you're going to fill the remaining 15 seconds. So they'd literally be like, I had like, I had these monitors and they'd be like, okay, James, and you're on in three, two, one. I'd be like, go and play my song. And James, you're off in three, two, one. I'd be like, ah, no, 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 I didn't get to do the thing. Like, so I was literally there, like on Ableton remaking my routines, like while the game is going on. Cause I was like, damn, I need to make, I summon, need to land a punch within 10 seconds somehow. So I was literally just like chopping everything down as short as possible to the point it was just, yeah, it was, it was crazy. crazy. And then I know nothing about baseball. I'm not going to pretend I do, but I know there was certain, there were certain points where like, um, they were like on different bases and it could have been that everyone could have gone out at that moment or they could have all got through and the inning could have carried on for like another have many minutes. So I didn't know when I could go to the toilet. I didn't know when I could take a break or anything because like sometimes it was like over in a few minutes. Sometimes it'd take 20 minutes. Right. So it's impossible. I was just glued to this thing for like eight hours, but really I was, I must've DJ for like a combined total of like, four minutes but I was there the whole day and was scared to move I had to like send someone to get me drinks ice cream like I was just there like um but yeah it was an amazing experience uh, it was like 65,000 people at London Stadium so it's definitely the biggest crowd wow I've got to DJ for That's even amazing. if it was micro sets but um right yeah that was that was crazy and then I had something similar again that Tony hooked up um where I DJ in Saudi Arabia for this thing called uh, Darius season where they do like these big sporting events so yeah. they had um they had the Formula One they had the boxing the day before and literally overnight the boxing must have finished at like 11 p.m and by the morning they'd converted the boxing arena into a tennis court and this this arena, like basically they designed it so that it was in the middle of the desert. Honestly, like my driver just dropped me off on the road and I just had to like walk across the sand. Like it was crazy. <laughs> it was just in the middle. It was in the middle of nowhere. They just put this, this structure up and I swear like the outside of it was like wallpaper and staples. It looked like a strong wind would blow the arena over. Cause like as soon as it was done, they were just going to tear it down. And but obviously the money there is unlimited. So they had the, the tennis um, tournament itself. And then at night they'd have artists coming out and performing. And like the day I was there, they had Major Lazer, Calvin Harris. They had on the Friday that that I was leaving, they had like uh, Nicki Minaj and Little Wayne. Wow. They're like it was just the insane, insane levels of artists. Um, but yeah, the tennis tournament itself, like I had to have all the music approved by the royal family for some reason. Um so the Crown Prince was there and he did like a little showcase match with one of the players and stuff. So everything has to be approved. So I put together this list of like 250 songs. And I think by the time they'd gone through it, I was left with like 12 and, <laughs> and, I'd, uh, and I'd put stuff on there that was like, I thought was super safe. Like the, the most bubblegum pop you could think of like stadium anthems kind of thing, just easygoing music. And for whatever reason, they didn't want any Dua Lipa or Ed Sheeran or anything like commercial. So, yeah, I had to play like three sets a day and they were sort of 15, 20 minute sets and I only had 12 songs to do it with that were approved. And then after the the first couple of sets, the guy that was controlling the music for like, if someone, when the player's coming out or when they get an ace or something, they would play like a little stinger, like a few seconds. He started stealing my songs because oh, wow. he's like, oh, that one works well. So he took the song. <laughs> so then my list of 12 went down to like eight. So by like the second day, I was like, I have no music left. So I had to like, start throwing in some sort of instrumental like house songs like 
from back in the day just to not get in trouble. But yeah, that was that was another crazy experience. Oh my god. Was there any reasoning of why they cut them out? Did they tell you or they're just like chop those? No. Yeah, I wasn't about to ask. I was just <laughs> You're like, can you give me yeah, a full breakdown <laughs> on uh your the problems you've yeah, got like, with these <laughs> Ed What's Sharon? your problem with Ed, man? Yeah, why do, yeah, like, uh, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't about to argue. So, um, yeah, I just played my eight songs and oh, wow. made it home safe. They're like Ed so turned down a billion dollars. Yeah. We're not letting him come here. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I'd love to know what it was because in my mind they were the, like the safest, most inoffensive people yeah. ever. I don't know what all those artists did, but um, right, that was interesting. Don't ask. Sure. <laughs> do your job. And get home safely, basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. That's crazy. Um, wow, that's amazing, man. I mean, we've learned we've learned a lot here. Um, what, uh, I feel like we've covered so many bases. Is there anything else that you, that we've maybe missed out on that you want to highlight or that things that you have coming up or uh, stuff like that? Um. I can shamelessly plug my music, I guess. Um, yeah, please. No, I just, no. uh, yeah, just released my first. Uh, um, yeah, I didn't actually get to tell you before I rabbit on so much. Um, I didn't actually get to mention the artists to kind of watch out for because they're definitely oh, a yeah, bunch of yeah, um, we, uh, we forgot about artists that part. I work with. Yeah, please so tell us about, um, um, yeah, the artists just in the, you know, African music scene that, that you see as people uh, should look out for, as well as artists that you're working with and um, what's going on mm. for the future in your career. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I just released an EP called Boundaries with an artist called Famous, spelled P-H. Um, he's, he's with Empire. Um, it's like an Afro R&B kind of thing. Um, you can get that on beat source with edits, of course. Oh, so yeah. go check it out guys. Get streaming. Yes, sir. Um, it's like a double plug there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I, I can't really reveal everything, but, uh, yeah, I've got some big names coming on my, my project for next year. Very lucky with the kind of the level of artists, that I'm, I'm getting to work with at this early stage in my production career. Um, but yeah, there's some, there's some guys that I feel like, It'll definitely do a big year uh, for sure. I am um, Alpha P. I had a song with him a couple of years back, and he's just an amazing, amazing artist. He's got so much music sitting there. Um, I'm hoping this is finally the year they get to unleash him on the world. Um, yeah. Crayon, another one. He signed to uh, Blowtime, which is a partnership with uh, Maven, which is the record label that have Rema and Ira Star, uh, run by Don Jazzy. He's like one of the greatest minds in music period. So I think crayon set for a big year. He just dropped his album. He's really dope. Um, there's a lot of black bones. If you guys want to learn anything about how to market a record, black bones is a genius with that stuff. Like he's so funny, so charismatic and he's just got this. Yeah. He's just got this talent for like promoting his record without you even realizing that he's promoting the record because you're so engrossed in all the other antics that are going on that you forget that his song's like now stuck in your head. And <laughs> that's so valuable. If you obviously like, you know, you can't compete with the labels when it comes to like the big budget stuff. So yeah. that, that, that is amazing, which is a creative brain. Um, some of my favorite artists, Lojay, I think he's incredible. Obviously yeah. he's famous for Mona Lisa, but his music just generally is unreal. He's definitely like, um, an artist artist right now where they, they all know 
they all know he's like a a generational talent kind of thing but he just quite hasn't quite um gone global yet like i feel like he could um yeah he's on the way Tony, he's on that new uh sure. spin all's new uh um uh single i think right or am i mm. wrong yeah got oh lojo uh no that's the, the song is loju oh yeah i think, I think. the whiskey song <laughs> yeah that's idiot. the title all right that's um that's uh i'll give a, i'll give this to me you laughed at yourself I was waiting for you to use that one. <laughs> That's right. Let's use it on myself. Um, Sorry about that, guys. Yeah. Um, there's Vic Tony. The, that Soweto remix has gone crazy right now with Don Toliver and, oh, and yeah. Rema as well. So Vic Tony is another one. Um, he has a really big single about to drop as well. I, I have some music with him that I'm really excited about. Yeah. Um, just inc- incredible, incredible artists to work with. Um there's loads. I mean, definitely check out the the Beat Source playlist. I have um, I have like Nigeria's Rising Stars as a playlist on there, which I update every few months. And there's so there's so many uh, amazing female artists right now as well that definitely don't get the recognition they should just because of the way that the industry's kind of been set up over there for so long. Yeah, um, you've seen it again recently with the Headies, which is like the biggest awards for for Afri beats they didn't even air the best female winner really? iris star won it but they didn't actually put it on the main show wow. yeah it's such a shame um so there's there's a lot of amazing female talent like uh, ira for example obviously she's huge now um there's raybell who i have a record with come in um bloody civilian she's a young artist who just produced her uh, her own ep and sang and wrote everything like there's so much incredible talent over there so i think obviously the labels are starting to realize this now you've got all the majors are now set up over there universal sony warner they're all they're all coming to town so i, I think it's just a matter of time before all these guys are global right superstars hopefully yeah and uh, fingers crossed i get to be a small part of it still I uh, I yeah. foresee that happening. No, you're 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 doing it, man. You're, you're yeah. doing all the right things and um, doing stuff for the right reasons. And I'm super excited for what's to come for you in the next few months, few years, and all that. Thank you, man. Yeah, um, but yeah, there's too, there's too many to list for sure. So just um, go check out all the Beat Source playlists because I do really like consciously try to give everyone a fair chance on there. Like if, if I feel like, you know, we have like the Afro pop playlist and the, the essential edits where uh, like yeah. the must play, but I was very conscious to create a lot of playlists like the rising stars and the Afro beats brunch and fresh Afro beats, all these kind of playlists. And the same for the dance as well, where I just have somewhere where I can put all the new music so people can dig. And, and I try to do edits for all of them if I can physically manage it in the week. So Right. Yeah, check them out. Oh yeah, no, you you do a great job on there. Um, amazing. Is there any other uh, things you want to talk about that you have coming um, that you can speak about, or we kind of covered it? Um, yeah, I think that's it. Really, just hopefully uh, trying to put out another single before the end of the year. Heading back out to Nigeria at the end of this month to oh. uh, hopefully finish my EP. Yeah, heading back out in a few weeks, uh, and then I'll, I'll be there again in December, and then I'm going to go to Ghana as well, try and spend a bit of 
bit more of a prolonged period there this time. A lot of times it's been in and out, like one day for the gig kind of thing. Right. And Ghana's beautiful, so I want to spend more time there and, and build up my, my network and stuff. Um, uh, yeah, the big one next year is my U- US tour. I need to come to the US and do it properly. That's That's been on my list for so long, you know? So that's uh, the plan. That's great, man. Uh, well, can't wait till you're in the U.S. We can do a part two in person in this room or something yes. and hang out. Um, and, uh, you know, get you, I'm sure you'll be doing some dope gigs. Uh, I know it's crazy, the whole visa process. You were explaining it to me. It's like, sounds like hell. Yeah. <laughs> it's intense. Yeah. Yeah. They don't, wanna, they don't want us to come as DJs, I don't think. But um, I'll make it happen somehow. I'll figure it out. I'll be there next year. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. Sure. Well, man, thank you so much for coming on the show, taking the time. I know we were trying to make this happen, but uh, I I thoroughly enjoyed talking to you and learning about all this stuff. And um, just like I said in the beginning and throughout, like you know, I got so much respect for you and what you do and what you're doing. And um, you know, you're a big help to me as just like going through all the stuff that. Like all that work that you put in to curate these playlists and curate these edits and all the things you put out, it helps me and then leads me down rabbit holes of looking up all this stuff. And I love all this music so much too. And um, yeah, so thank you for being the the connector of all that stuff. And thank you for just, you know, adding value and adding, adding stuff to the DJ culture, the music culture and the global music scene, man. You, you're really doing it. So thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, um, you got any last words or things you want to say to the DJs out there? Well, if you managed to put up with me for this long and you're still <laughs> listening, then uh, you can you can find me on uh, all platforms at DJ's Kick It. Okay. So yeah, I'd love to connect with anyone that's you know if you're interested in Afrobeats dancehall, you want to learn more, you want to know about you know the the platform, anything, yeah reach out love to connect and uh yeah thanks thanks again for having me man really really enjoyed talking to you you know uh, you're a very busy guy yourself so it's uh, always nice to have a chat yeah no i love it i love it um well yeah thank you and uh i will hopefully see you soon we'll be in some same country soon i hope <laughs> fingers crossed man all, all right. right thank you Talk take to care you soon all right peace All right. Thank you to D James for coming on the show, taking that time. I know uh, it was pretty late out there, so I really appreciate him taking the time to tell us about his journey in this thing called DJing and this thing called music. The dope dude right there. Really cool person, really genuine, uh, super talented. So thank you to D James for coming on this. And thank you, the Beat Sorcerers. We wouldn't be doing this without you, all you listeners. We're doing this together. I really appreciate everything you guys bring to the table. Um, thank you for for doing this with us. Uh, and you can find us everywhere. You can watch our show on YouTube. You can listen to us on Apple. You can listen to us on Spotify. We're everywhere podcasts are found. Tell your friends. Tell your mom. Tell your grandma. Let people know. Spread the word, okay? And then we can keep doing this. The 20 Podcast is produced by BeatSource. Join us next week for more interviews as we discuss music that matters to DJs. I'm DJ Spider signing off. Peace. And that was The 20 with DJ Spider.